0: Hi and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media and also I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. ob OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health, as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me, reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I'm an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flody, and this episode is everything you need to know about how to create intimacy in a relationship and how to spice it up. But before I get into the episode today, one thing I'm, I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any type of medical advice. So if you're having any medical issues, please speak with your healthcare provider and. Definitely, I am not giving any type of religious advice. So if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim sex podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I am super excited to have on again with me, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. Thank you so much for coming in all the way from the West Coast. And uh, so excited to have you on. So for people that uh, may have missed your previous episode, if you could just uh, let them know what you do, where you are, and um,
1: how you help people. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I so enjoy our conversations and have so much respect for you and the work you do. I am a physician, but I don't practice medicine anymore. I'm a relationship and intimacy coach and an intimate marriage expert. And I'm really devoted to helping couples who are committed to their relationships, who just wanna figure out how to really connect more deeply, enjoy sexual passion and more fun in their marriage. So I'm happy to be talking about that with you today. That is awesome. So, I would love to just
0: delve right into this topic. And I'd love to know about how you help couples and, you know, what has been some of the most common reasons that people come out and see you. And uh, yeah, if you could tell us about that.
1: I definitely will. But before I go into clients and why they reach out and so forth. I just wanna say one thing which is foundational in how I work with people, cause it'll provide context for the rest of the conversation. And that is this, throughout the Western world, maybe beyond as well, the most common relationship advice that is given, if you want a good marriage, you have to be good at compromise. That compromise is the way to be happy. And that is completely wrong. If you want a bland, pleasant companionship that is conflict free and passion free where sex is either not happening or relatively mundane, then if that's what you want, obviously, Compromise is very helpful. It will keep the peace and you'll have that kind of relationship. But I'm gonna assume that anybody listening to the Muslim sex podcast (laughs) wants something different, wants to feel alive, sexually connected, erotically expressive, and really enjoying the beautiful bodies that God has given us. And for that, you've got to get rid of compromise. Mm. but I want to say what I mean. Yeah. When people compromise, in my view, what's happening is that you're withholding the truth of who you are Mm. so that your partner is more comfortable. So that could be what color you want to paint your living room. It could be where you want to live. It could be the kind of sex you want to be having. It also can be what you want to have for dinner, which side of the bed you want to sleep on, what movie you want to watch. Like in general, this is true of both men and women, but it's more readily perceived in most women that we have desires that we either lose touch with because we're not used to honoring them or we have them, but we just are like, it's just not worth the trouble. You know, it's just, my husband and kids want pizza. I'll just have pizza, even though I'd really like to be having Pad Thai, you know, like we are used to compromising in small ways as well as big ways. And every time we do, we essentially, amputate some part of ourselves so it doesn't participate in the relationship i know that's sort of a dramatic word but it's like we we can't bring all of who we are into the relationship and if we can't bring all of who we are into our day-to-day interactions there is no magic switch that gets flipped when we get to the bedroom where great sex requires us to be able to be fully expressed and relaxed and accepting of who we are and present without holding ourselves back. And so I think there there are many different causes. Of course, there are physiological medical causes for why sex is not glorious. But I think actually the far more common causes of sex being dehydrated or non-existent, in any case, just functional, has to do with the ways that we tend to withhold our self-expression within our relationships on a day-to-day basis. So my antidote is what I call uncompromising intimacy, not in the sense that you always, you're always you uncompromising and you always get your own way, but uncompromising in the sense that you learn how to share the truth of who you are in a way that your partner can hear it. So I'm happy to dive into your question, but that's really, the broader context that applies to everything else that I'm going to say in our conversation now. I love it. I love it. And I, the reason why I love it, because,
0: you know, you explained it in such a way that it's not like someone is trying to be confrontational. Rather, it's somebody that is living true to their beliefs, to their values, and somebody that wants to live authentically within the most intimate relationship that they have which is with their spouse and significant other and i think that that is so really like groundbreaking i mean i've never heard of that and i think that that's fantastic that you say that because really how else can you be happy you know if you are always living for somebody else and for somebody else's wishes and wants, then you're never truly happy, right? Or if you're not able to express yourself in a relationship, then again, you're not going to be happy. But if you're able to express what you want and what you desire, then you can be happy. And hopefully you can find that um, peace among you and your partners. So I love
1: that, yeah. You know, I'm moved because when I say that, I never have people disagree and say, no, 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 that's not right. But the level at which you've understood that and expressed it is is so beautiful. It's so clear what work you do such that you would articulate it that way. And I think you've emphasized the most important part, which is authenticity. Like, I think, you know, if somebody, isn't having sex, the answer does not lie in the Kama Sutra. It doesn't lie in sex toys. Those can both be helpful, but for the majority of committed couples in good relationships, the foundational solution is in authenticity, deeper emotional intimacy, and being real being vulnerable, not in a way that is weak or passive. But I I love this expression that I once heard, which is opening the kimono to reveal what's inside. I don't know why that sounds so sexy to me. But (laughs) it's like showing the truth inside. And I believe it is because we have this profound human need and the Maslow's hierarchy, it's definitely not at the bottom, but it's there that we have this profound human need to be seen for who we really are. And the only possibility that we have to be seen for who we really are is if we're willing to learn how to reveal ourselves. And so when people talk about intimacy, it's a kind of new age expression, you know, into me you see, and I don't like that at all. It might be true, but it puts the emphasis on the person doing the seeing. And when it comes to deeper emotional intimacy, feeling seen by your spouse, uncompromising intimacy, and then also ultimately really great passionate sex that improves with the years, It's all about developing our capacity to reveal ourselves so we can be seen, which is not a mechanical solution. It is about our presence, our tone of voice, our willingness to slow down and be deep. So with uncompromising intimacy, with, authenticity, then we can address all the different things that arise having the ability to do so from the root cause. And this is just incredibly relevant. And oh, I will just say one more thing, which is that um, I think most of the time, libido mismatch, Is completely a myth. Because we we think, well, that you know, one person has higher libido, one person has lower libido. But in the context of this conversation, I think even if, let's say, the woman has low libido, even it, it could be she has higher libido, but I'm just gonna give the example of when she has lower libido, that even if she doesn't know it, it's my conviction and my experience, my expertise that if she's not interested in sex, then that is because she's not being offered the kind of sex she would want more of. Exactly. But until she's had it, she doesn't realize that. And he has no way of knowing that unless they're being real with one another. And in being real with one another, like I'm talking about, That does not mean blaming him for not being a more skillful lover. It does not mean blaming him for being self-centered. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means being real about what you're yearning for, taking responsibility that you've never said so before and you don't even know how to create it, but let's go on the journey together and discover how these are the ways to really heat up your sex life in the context of a committed marriage where you care about one another and your life is essentially good together. And this is the area that you want to really improve now.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny because I always say that as well. And it's something that I um, heard Emily Nagoski say, mm. which was, you know, and for those people that are listening that who may not know who Emily Nagoski is, she wrote a book called come as you are, but, and she's done a few Ted talks. Um, but she talks about to want sex is to have sex worth wanting,
1: which is similar
0: to what you just stated. And I think that that is a hundred percent true. You know, I think that, um, perhaps there are people that do have the mismatched libido, but I agree with you. I think that, you know, oftentimes, if somebody is not getting anything out of the experience, if they're not being pleased, if they're not, you know, if their goal is to orgasm and that's not happening for them, then they're not really going to want an experience that doesn't allow them to fully express themselves.
1: Yes, and even if they are having orgasms, that, I mean, that's better than not for sure, let's not knock it, but that doesn't mean the sex is is has the kind of depth and attunement that is going to make her want more like i i think that it's wonderful that in our society you know in north america in general we are oriented to the importance of women having orgasms there's another wonderful book that's more written for men by a man called she comes first and i think like that is the proper way to have sex is that she has her orgasm first but that's great like let's prioritize the orgasms but orgasms alone are actually not enough to i mean they can be enough to be sex she wants but they aren't necessarily enough to be sex she wants and i'll be more specific like in in my journey in, um, well, when I went from practicing medicine to being a relationship and intimacy coach and was definitely motivated by, I mean, my parents were divorced when I was nine. My husband's parents were divorced when he was six. And there were just so many things that I didn't even know if it would be possible. And in that whole journey, I was just thinking to myself, like our sex is functional. I had orgasms, he had orgasms, but afterwards I didn't feel like we were closer. It wasn't anything that the poets write about of a kind of divine embodied communion. It wasn't it wasn't something that would just light me up when I would think about it, even though I was having orgasms. So, sure, if orgasms aren't happening, change that. Learn how to make that happen. And I'm saying learn because it is a skill that can be developed. But don't be confused that if you figure out mechanically how she can have an orgasm, that that fully addresses the quality of sex that I'm describing. And a one next step to take with that, so I don't just say what doesn't work, but I give something practical to act on, is I think it's very helpful to think about sex as an experience of feelings. And we often think of it more in terms of physical sensations, and of course it is, but, you know, how do you want to feel? Do you wanna feel cared for? Do you wanna feel wild because so much of life is structured? Do you want to um, feel your power in this sexual experience? I mean, there, I'm, I'm not being exhaustive. There's a whole range. It can be tender, it can be sort of with abandon, it can be comforting, it can be loving, it can be um, just full of exploration there's something to just thinking about what is the feeling quality you'd like to achieve? And if you have a conversation about that, then if you both know that that's the intention, you're more likely to accomplish it. And you might not accomplish it, but that's a journey worth going on to explore until you do. Maybe playing some music that encourages whatever the feeling state is that you want would be helpful. That's just one example. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, that's
0: interesting um, that you talk about feelings with sex because so many times, especially in coaching, right, we talk about feelings, we talk about our thoughts, and oftentimes we'll get to the root cause of those feelings, which is our thoughts, right? And so we if we're able to change our thoughts, then we change our feelings, which will change our actions. And I think that's really important with um kind of a caveat to what you're saying about, you know, what is the type of feeling that you want to achieve with this intimate uh, action or act that you're going to take? And I've never thought of it like that. But I think that that's really important. You know, what is it that you want?
1: I really agree with what you're saying. And I also think there's something that sort of Parallel to it, I'll say, because I think if um, we're talking about our productivity or um, getting up in the morning and having a morning routine that's gonna serve us for the day, like there are many areas which I would put more in the category of problem solving that that's oversimplifying, but I'll just say that where starting with changing our thinking in order to change our feelings is extremely effective, but when it comes to sex, that's not the whole story. There's something about that, that really more originates in the body. So with the conversation we're having now, let's say um, you wanna feel tenderness in sex. You just wanna like, times are very stressful right now and you just want some softness and tenderness. I wouldn't coach a couple to change their thinking in order to have that feeling. What I would do is maybe change your thoughts enough to get rid of any preconceptions and projections and thinking it's impossible, but fundamentally, I mean, there are a lot of ways to do this. This is just one. I would encourage, if this appeals to you, I, listeners, that you, obviously not while you're driving, but when you have an opportunity, to just sit and close your eyes and evoke the feeling that you want in your body, not through using your prefrontal cortex and changing your thoughts, but just almost like changing channels, choose the channel of tenderness and softness, and you can hear as I'm saying it, my voice is a little softer, my breath is a little slower, and I am, while I'm speaking now, literally evoking that feeling. And then while you're touching one another, you let that feeling be your GPS signal, be the North Star, so that it's your come from, in other words, it's it's an embodied guidance because if we are paying too much attention to our thoughts, it really does restrict how profound sex can be. Now, what I've just described is more of an advanced level of play, because I'm talking to you and I know, you know, this would make sense to you. If you're listening and what I've described just sounds confusing and vague, then definitely start with thinking thoughts like, it could be possible to have good sex with my spouse. I could feel good while we're having sex. That's a great starting point if that fits where you are. But if you have the capacity to evoke an embodied experience, then evoke that and nurture it as you touch one another. And with the specific example I gave of tenderness you're probably gonna touch one another more slowly than is typical because that's the quality that goes with this feeling. And if you want wild abandon, well, maybe it'll start out differently, but then evoke a kind of, you know, evoke the tiger in you, <laughs> rrr. <Rawr.
0: laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I like that. So that's really interesting. So you're saying almost to embody the type of feeling that you want when you're. Yes, I having am.
1: Sex. I am for so many reasons. One of which is that we create great sex for ourselves yes, with our partner, but for ourselves too. In other words, a woman who is not involved in sex or has really diminishing thoughts about it, it really doesn't matter how attentive and how expert her partner is in loving. And if you learn to evoke sensations like this, then you can actually have pretty good sex with someone who might objectively not be the best lover in the world, but you learn to respond and educate him along the way.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: I think that,
0: um, you know, a lot of times, uh, some listeners that are listening may The only person they may have been with uh, is their partner, is their current partner, right? So they don't date prior to marriage. And so I think this is really helpful because, you know, they don't have that experience outside of marriage. So what they have or the partner that they have is the only experience, only person they've ever been with sexually in their lives. Um, And so I think that this is helpful because. You know, you're really talking about embodying a type of feeling and what you want. I think oftentimes, you know, the, sometimes the women that I talk to, they will say that, well, it just doesn't matter. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not enjoying it. And I'm really just like a receptacle. And that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I I don't really care for it anymore. And to them, uh, again, I say what, you know, you and I talked about before is that, you know, to want sex is to have sex worth wanting, which is, you know, you're really not enjoying it probably because there's nothing in it for you. So I think that, you know, to take that a little bit further is what you're saying is to decide on the feeling that you want to have and then start to embody that feeling to create the intimacy
1: with your yes. partner. And for the couple that has been with one another and not with other partners ever, I want to suggest something else as well, which is when... Couples are married for a long time. They typically get, I wouldn't, it could be a rut, but that's not the point I want to make. They get into a familiar mode. It's like sex happens in a particular way. We parent in a particular way. We drive in a particular way. Like we just get used to doing things. And that's great because we don't want to feel like everything we're constantly doing is new all the time. Like it's nice not to cook a new dish every single night. But if your typical way of doing sex isn't satisfying, then I encourage you to do sex differently. And let me say what I mean. Maybe if you, um, let's say you're Americans, but you both speak French. Well, maybe you try for a few weeks that you only speak French when you're making love or going to make love, or maybe um, you pretend that it's the first time you've ever had sex, or maybe um, I I really don't know. This is going to be unique for each couple. Maybe there's a Disney princess and you want to have sex the way Um, I don't actually know my Disney princesses, so I I can't fill in the blank. um, I don't know where we're going. Okay, well, I'm just saying, like, if there's a character in a novel that, like, the point is that I suppose we could call this role play, but I'm really not meaning role play in the conventional sense. I'm really talking about allowing some aspect of yourself that mostly or always has been dormant. And let that be the part of you that is expressed because you will have different experiences if you go for that. So I I do wanna get in an answer to your original question about what a couple comes to me for, but I think it'll be very meaningful at this point in the conversation. So I'd love to do that if I can.
0: Yes, of course, please.
1: Okay, so... um. I actually have a few that come to mind, but I'll start with a couple. Uh, They devoted to one another, appeared to be happily married, had a home that was cared for, both successful professionals, a child in middle school and a child in high school. And when they reached out to me, they hadn't had sex in nine months. And after kids were in bed or you know, dinner was cleaned up, whatever, they would always just be in separate rooms and until one was asleep and then the other was asleep. And I didn't know this until I started meeting with them, but basically this woman actually was a very attractive woman, but she had concluded that her husband no longer found her attractive and that it was a result of aging, which of course made this confident physician just feel insecure and like we can't counter time passing, but she thought his lack of interest in sex was because he was no longer attracted to her. Well, turns out he was incredibly attracted to her, and he the thought of being unsuccessful at bringing her pleasure with erectile dysfunction or just not being adequately attuned to her body was such an unbearable experience. He didn't have, he, he had occasional erectile dysfunction, but that that wasn't the thing every time. It's more that he didn't, even though they'd been married, I, I forget how long it was, let's say 17 years, he didn't feel confident that he, I'll say, knew how to play her body like a musical instrument that he just And the experience for someone who is successful professionally and a good devoted father and so forth, to be wanting to make love, to be creating sex that she would want more of, and just feeling insecure and incompetent at that, that was such an unbearable experience for him that he preferred to decline her invitations and not to initiate sex so that He didn't have to feel so inept in loving his woman. Now, when we started coaching, neither one of them had any idea that this was at the root of the situation. They each had their theories and weren't in communication about it. So when I met with them, I knew two things. One is that they needed to rebuild emotional rapport because there was disconnection between them, because it was nine months of hurt and rejection and ineptitude on his part, or a sense of that. And so it didn't really make any sense to me to start guiding them into sexual matters until they could open their hearts again, let go of the armor and just lean in and reconnect and feel the warmth in their relationship. And any couple that I'm coaching it's a very sacred thing to have a third person in conversation about the intimate parts of that relationship. So I'm comfortable talking about explicit matters right at the beginning, but I usually start with not with talking about the weather, but really building trust and making it safe and comfortable for each person to express what their experience is. So, given that I started, I started actually asking them about what she fell in love with him. Like what of what aspects of his personality did she fall in love with and what aspects of his, her personality did he fall in love with? And it was so profound because it's not anything they'd ever actually told one another, you know, early in a relationship, it's too soon to be that vulnerable and transparent. And in most relationships, it just never comes up again. And so like one example of this is that she was the kind of the fire in the relationship for them to eat in a healthy way and for the family to go on hikes and do yoga. And she always felt like she was like, dragging him along. And one of the things that he said is how much he appreciated that she spearheads these new experiences that he would never seek out on his own. And even though he's sometimes resistant to something new, he's always very grateful and it's always wise of her to lead the family in that way. And so there were just so many different things that because it wasn't about Conflict or who was right and who was wrong. It was just a softer conversation than most couples have so that it was safe for the these kinds of things to emerge. So I talk about that as cultivating emotional intimacy. And so I think it was by the third session and this couple was fairly discreet. And so I was discreet with them and I said, okay, well, now let's talk about other things. And they didn't know what I was talking about. So then I said, well, what about in the evenings? Anyway, at some point, her eyes got big and she knew exactly what I was talking <laughs> about, namely the fact that they reached out to me because I hadn't had sex in nine months. And she said, all right. <laughs> Oh, we're all set. We're all set. And I have, I never actually spent much time explicitly coaching them about sex. I find that about 75 or 80% of the time, even when couples reach out to me wanting better sex, that just learning to be present with one another and communicate and kind of have more breadth in what they see in the relationship. In their case, it was her understanding that he's totally attracted to her It just took off this stress and it just delighted her to hear him talk about how beautiful she is. And to then, instead of being resentful and rejected, to be compassionate about his pain in feeling inept and providing pleasure that they both wanted her to experience pleasure. And for him to be able to express himself meant that he could see while she had been critical, she could drop that because she understood where he was coming from and she hadn't before. So um, they certainly were back. I mean, we did more coaching on how to communicate and how to sustain being real with one another and making it safe to be vulnerable, but Once a couple learns how to do that, they can do that with whatever content arises in their relationship. And I'll just say for me personally, because I've been married for 27 years, we have four children, there's a lot going on in our lives. And when I'm in a phase where I think, oh, we haven't been having sex as much as I'd enjoy. Is there something that I haven't told him? And it's not that I'm uncomfortable opening up like i have a lot of experience doing that but sometimes life takes on this and that and i just about 80% of the time i think oh yeah i really need to say this and it might be about him it might be about our relationship it might be something totally unrelated but it's 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 living in me it's weighing it weighing me down or It's distracting me from being present in the way that great sex requires. And then I just, I communicate using the skills I teach in cultivating emotional intimacy. And inevitably we both feel turned on suddenly even when we haven't talked about sex or done anything but sit on the couch and have a conversation. So that's not the whole answer all of the time, but I really think it's the answer far more than people appreciate
0: that's amazing yeah i love the the transformation of that couple and going from you know not having sex for nine months to realizing and you know staying in their own thoughts and thinking that this person is not attracted to me and he's worried about performance and disappointing her and you know, I think a lot of times it boils down to communication, right? So there is that um, it's called the female sexual satisfaction survey, which is a a questionnaire that physicians can, you know, uh, have in their practice and ask women to fill out. And the number one uh, reason or the, the number one thing that helped women be more sexually satisfied in their lives was communication. So I think that that really just validates what you were saying, that it's so important to uh, be honest and open with each other and really um, allow each other to be vulnerable so that you can see what's really going on and um, not just assume that if a person is not interested it's because they're not interested in you but they may have some other thoughts in their head going on so
1: yeah i love that you brought up the survey and the importance of communication and i just want to add it's also the quality of communication i hope that's clear from our whole conversation that it's not you know i can do a lot of communicating and telling my dissatisfactions and my complaints and my analysis and you know that is not the kind of communication that is going to enhance sexual experiences. The kind of communication is the kind, as you said, where it's authentic, it's vulnerable. It can feel a little bit edgy because it is easier not to say these things. But when you learn, I mean, I would say that a good portion of the coaching that I do with clients is teaching them how to have more meaningful, more vulnerable communications in a way that is safe and trustworthy.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I feel like we could talk forever. I love (laughs) speaking with you. I love it too. But um, I want people to know how they can get in touch with you. I'm sure there's tons of people thinking like, wow, you know, Dr. Stockwell is amazing. And I love the insight that she brings into the conversation and the way that she helps people so i'd love for them to know how they can reach out to you and how they can schedule a consultation and to see whether or
1: not uh, they're a good fit with you thank you so much so alexandrastockwell.com is my website. And if you go to alexandrastockwell.com, that really is the doorway to find my podcast, the Intimate Marriage Podcast, my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, my social media. If you sign up for my email list, I send emails with this kind of content, usually four times a week, just free tips and lessons. And, um, by all means, reach out to me on social media or through my website. I love connecting with people. I find it a privilege to have a conversation with you on this podcast and with anyone who wants to focus on their own relationship. So alexandrastockwell.com. All right.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and enlightening us and telling and giving us such important pearls, which I think that anyone could use in their relationship and find so much value in. So I really appreciate your time and your expertise. And Well, I am done here, and it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're seeking some medical advice, please speak with your healthcare provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast, and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends. And thanks for listening.